The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's a Thursday here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, and you know what that means. It's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man, Roy White, and my man, Tom Ryle. Tom Ryle BTB on Twitter. Of course, you can find me on the Twitterverse at RW3, and we'd love for you to reach out to us. We want to make a very special note uh, of a shout-out to one of our very loyal Blogging the Boys listeners and followers, Aaron Lozano, turning 30 years old today. Happy birthday, Aaron, courtesy of your lovely wife who reached out to us to extend that birthday wish Yay. to you. So very happy birthday Yay. to you, Aaron. Congratulations on 30, and here's to 30, 40, even 50 more for you, sir. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and thank you for engaging in all the Blogging the Boys content, which you can find powered by our friends at SB Nation and at bloggingtheboys.com. Also want to make a note, for those of you looking for the latest episode of Talking the Star, had a little bit of technical issues this week, but they will be back with a fresh new episode next week, same time, same great place, same back channel, right? Find it right here on the <laughs> Blogging the Boys podcast network as well, so we'll have that for you. But, Tom, we got a lot to get into here on this episode, so let's jump right into it, right? So we got some NFL right. news that we're going to get into and whether or not the NFL Combine may be coming to Frisco, not Arlington, but to Frisco here in just a couple of years. We'll get into that news-breaking story, but really, I want to start with the excellent article you put out on bloggingtheboys.com <laughs> this week. As always, pushing the conversation forward, never looking back, right? Never taking someone else's content and repositioning it, repurposing it. We're always trying to give you fresh new takes here at Blogging the Boys, and Tom did an excellent job of that. Looking forward to training camp, and he wrote an article with six questions that the Cowboys will have to address and that we'll get the answers to during Cowboys camp. Now, some of these uh, I won't necessarily get into because from an audience perspective, there's still a lot to be determined on those fronts. But I think a few of them you and I might be able to answer as we yeah. discuss back and forth. So I'll start well, with and, question number one. And by the way, is there a particular – before I guess start with question one, two, three, yeah. four, whatever. Is there a particular question that you mold over – considerably and is there one that you put at the top of your list as the number one question that you would like an answer yeah. to no I, I yeah and I want to make a little clarification that I wrote this these are questions that 
I am very curious about and hoping I can see something uh, in camp that's going to give me a, a hint as to where this is going because uh, don't forget, this is Mike McCarthy's first regular training camp. It's his first time out at Oxnard, and it's, it's, he's coming in with his first offseason. You know, they had a weird training camp last year, but it wasn't – nothing was normal. They were, like, way behind, and they just had all kinds of problems. So I'm, I'm hoping for, that it's going to be very good for the team. But these are some things that, that are kind of bugging me uh, or things that I would like to look for because this is going to also be the, the first one for me. I'm going to be at training camp for the first time. I'm so excited. And these are, these are things kind of looking at it as what might I be able to figure out with my own eyes or at least by leaning over to some of the people that know what they're doing and asking them what's going on uh, that I wouldn't that otherwise I just have to wait and read stuff secondhand. Um, so it's kind of from that thing. Um, these may not be what people think are the most important things, you know, because, you know, you can talk about recovery from injury. Well, we know that you can talk about, you know, the, some of the other stuff that's going on, but there are just some things that are out there that may not be big in the scheme of thing, but we saw last year how, the dominoes can start falling. And the next thing you do, you're out of the playoffs and wondering what the heck happened when, uh, you know, the Washington football team has a seven and nine record and it's going to the playoffs and you're going, how did we let that happen? But that's where I'm going at. So from that aspect, we can jump in and start talking about some of these things. So a couple of these questions here and, and, I guess I'll start then at the very top. Um, and, and by the way, all these I have interest in as well. But as you mentioned, kind of stole my thunder. I wanted to set you up for it. But our man Tom Ryle is going to be boots on the ground for the Blogging the Boys Network, not just for the podcast and every uh, Thursday that you can hear here on Riled Up, but you're also, you'll also get that excellent insight on bloggingtheboys.com so long as he doesn't spend too much time in the karaoke bars and the rudder room there in Oxnard at night. No Jason Garrett hanging around there, so we'll all have to figure out where Mike McCarthy's favorite dive bar in Oxnard, California is going to be. But I digress on all that front. Uh, the question that jumped off the page to me, the very first one, and it's one that I think we're just taking for granted that this player is going to fill this role and fill it admirably. Who is this team's backup center? Now, we all yeah. know Tyler Biotish, uh going to get the reps, getting all the reps with the first team, in fact, in OTAs and minicamp. So there's no secret as to who is holding down that position and who has the inside track. However, that is a position that at least a year ago or even two seasons ago, you had someone where you felt comfortable moving them into that spot. Joe Looney was an admirable backup center for the time that he's been here with the Cowboys. We wish him well. And, and quite honestly, I, I scratched my head a little bit asking whether or not they should consider re-signing him again just for that insurance policy. How do you see that backup center position shaping out as we stand today? That the problem is I don't have a clue right now. That's why I'm going to be very interested to see who is lining up with the twos 
or, uh, you know, if Biotish has to, you know, gets a rest day or something, uh, who, who comes in in his place. Uh, we, you know, we obviously know who the five starters are projected to be. Uh, that's not a problem. They've got actually maybe up to four decent candidates at tackle. Uh, Connor McGovern is, I think, a very solid uh, guard backup. But I don't know if they really want uh, McGovern to go as their, uh, their backup center. And so I kind of see this as once they get the backup center kind of sorted out, then the rest of the depth players on the uh, offensive line and even how many they need to carry. That's why I'm, you know, they only have one center on the, the team right now outside of Biotish, and it's a guy named Braylon Jones. He's a UDFA, um, you know, um, and I didn't know who he was, even though I found out that he played high school ball like 35 miles down the road from where I live. Um, and so I don't think that he's their plan. I don't think they're expecting him to grow up. I keep coming back to the seventh round draft pick, Matt, uh, Farniuk, Farniuk, Farniuk. Okay. Somebody, huh? Somebody tell me how to pronounce it. Uh, this is the hardest draft class to pronounce I have ever seen in coming to Cowboys (laughs) from top to bottom. Um, I know, you know, I hear it in my head, but then it just doesn't come out the mouth right. Um, if, if he were to come into his own as the backup center, he'll also be guard depth. And he, in an emergency, he can play tackle. He did, as famously been reported, he played all five offensive line positions during college. And so, um, you know, is that the plan? That's one of those places also I wouldn't be too surprised if they're not happy with progress around the time I'm there, which is, uh, you know, just before they play the Hall of Fame game, which they should be kind of gelling things. I wouldn't be surprised to see people coming in uh, to do a little interview with the team and maybe get a physical in and maybe start looking for it. And there's another position, I think, that, that right really be something to be keeping an eye out for uh, come around, you know, the third or fourth week of uh, training camp. Okay. Well, do you want to share that name with me or we'll tease that for another day? Oh no. Who they might bring in center. Yes. No, I don't have a name that they might want to bring in. I'm saying they might just suddenly start looking. Uh, Did Looney has Looney signed? Is he still available? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no idea. What no, that. he has not signed. He has not signed. He may be. He, you know, he may be just waiting. I've got a feeling he's waiting for some team to come knocking to for him to be a starter. Because remember, he started a season for the Cowboys and was quite competent, uh, maybe even above average. So uh, I think he's just waiting. Um, as we all know, he's a big guy, and I don't think he minds at all not being out there for the practices and yep. I don't think he needs to learn a whole lot. So, yeah, I think, you know, he's one guy that's on the market that they could go back to, uh, and see if he's interested. But like I said, he may be holding out for a starting job, but there may be other people they look at it. You know, as I said, uh, I'm going to wait and see, and, you know, maybe, uh, Farnick will just seize it and run with it and we won't have to worry about it. But, I think it's going to be one to watch. 
Well, I wonder if they'll give Connor Williams some work at that position. I know they haven't really worked him there in the past, but I also know that they do like a backup center that has that versatility. And with Farniok, while he might have the versatility to play all those positions, right, he's probably not going to leapfrog any of the tackle spots ahead of, say, Adishek, no. um, or sorry, Inseki, uh, or um, or uh, the the two that they basically you know basically worked last year. Brandon Knight and Terrence Still. Thank you. I mean, they worked those guys in and essentially became starters to the point that now you feel like you have competent starters at those backup positions. You know, a name that I could see them maybe poking around on, uh, if you wanted to real get, really get crazy, I know he announced his, uh, his retirement this offseason, but could they try to potentially grab a Mike Pouncey out of retirement? Uh, and make him a starter or make him the center if Biotish doesn't work out, it's a name to at least consider. I, I don't know what it would take yeah. to get him out, and I certainly don't know if he's healthy at all or not, but you are right. We'll be keeping an eye on that yeah. center position, and that is definitely yeah. one to watch. Yeah. My, yeah, my rule of thumb is if somebody says they're retiring, I'm going to take them at the word until they come out and say, no, I'm interested in playing or – or the team announces, yeah, we've been in contact and they want to come back and try. So I just, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, you know, at this point, it's not time yet to start scouring the possible free agent signings that they could make um, just because there's a lot to develop. But put that name on the whiteboard just in case, in case you need to All make right. a call. You know, former Charger, uh, he is going to be in that Los Angeles area or LA area, you would imagine. So he'd be ready and available and close by in case you wanted to reach out. Now, I know fans are probably going to freak out about the name. He's not the same player that he was, but he may be a more than serviceable uh, centerpiece that you could use in the event of an emergency. Question number two, are they really putting their QB two chips on Garrett Gilbert? Now, I believe yeah. Gilbert does have the inside track there. Um, obviously they're bringing several quarterbacks to camp to compete with him and, and take some of the pressure off a of Dak who they probably don't want overdoing it there mm -hmm. in training camp, knowing that they've got a long season ahead of him and they're going to ride him through that. But I don't really have a problem with them relying on Garrett Gilbert at this time. If you're not going to be able to get a quarterback that you could eventually hope to attain a, compensatory pick from and this mm -hmm. was if you go way back this was my entire reasoning as to why the Andy Dalton signing was a good one whether or not he won you games was absolutely irrelevant the fact was if he played well enough to garner a 10 or 15 million dollar contract from another team as he did then he could get you back a compensatory pick and if yeah. I told you that you could trade a free agent you signed for $3 million for a fourth-round pick, which they essentially have done with Andy Dalton, knowing that they're going to get a compensatory pick in 2022, well, that's a move you make 10 times out of 10. So yeah. from that standpoint, I love the Andy Dalton signing, but if that guy's not out there, then roll the dice with a backup quarterback that you may not even believe in. And truthfully, I don't. Uh, if you told me he had to start three games, I'd hope – that he could win one. And that would be my expectation at best 
With that being said, I tend to think if you go to your backup quarterback at any point in the season for more than five games, you're probably toast anyway. Yeah. Agree or disagree? I agree with the part that if you have to rely on the backup quarterback, uh, it's probably over. You very seldom have a, uh, a Nick Foles waiting in the wing to play his one really great season for you. And, you know, what was it? He actually played like seven, eight games, right. uh, you know, coming in to relieve the injured Carson Wentz. Um, just enough where they don't have the book on you. Yeah. Right. And, you know, yeah. And he just really hit his stride in time for the playoff stretch run. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that that is that is a rare thing. And I don't think anyone would want to bet on that. Um, my what I see it is I'm a little I just feel like the Cowboys are just. For a long time, they have not really addressed the backup quarterback situation until they went out and got Andy Dalton. He was the first real, I thought, solid move to address that uh, since uh, I think someone I was reading, someone had gone back and said Kitten was probably the last one before him. Mm -hmm. um, there are basically three I options when it comes to backup quarterbacks, right? There's the veteran quarterback who's done it but maybe can't do it anymore. There's the mm -hmm. young, unknown, completely green rookie. And then there's the guy who has stuck around the league long enough to be to continue to have a job in the NFL, but has never yeah. really done anything to the level that would make anybody assume they could do the job for a long period of time. And, and the, the Cowboys, to me, have always gone with either the second or the third option. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Just as a side note, it's amazing to me how many guys there are who have made tens of millions of dollars and set their life up, their, their family up for life financially, holding a clipboard and doing spot starts in the NFL, you know, because they'll sign with a team, be with the team for a season or two, get released, sign with another team, and on and on. Salute uh, to Chase yeah. Daniels and Josh McCown, the best of the yeah, best. I was going to say, there's been a there's been a McCown being a backup quarterback uh, for somebody in the league since I think Y.A. Tittle was playing or something. It was, <laughs> it's just, I mean, those guys were around forever. Uh, and it wasn't just one, you know, um, there were a couple of them around, which was just strange, but um, I just, I, I just think they're, I don't know. I don't know how easy I'm going to feel about Garrett Gilbert as the guy. Um, I don't, and I don't know. Well, because I think they're getting a, they're, they're going to likely go with just two quarterbacks on the roster. Um, which says to me, Ben DiNucci goes on the practice squad or they try to get him on, which I, I think that's pretty much if they want to sign him, they got him because yeah. he didn't get the development he should have last year. So I think they're going to try to do that again with him, but it's just, I don't know. It, it makes me a little concerned about their overall approach. Cooper Rush is an interesting one because he's like the, he's like the boomerang. You know, they threw him away once he's and he came back. swirling right back, you know, uh, and it's going to be interesting. He, he has, you know, he has that time working with Kellen Moore. Um, he knows, knows the system. And as somebody said, if you look at his arm and everything, yeah, he's like Kellen Moore in some ways as a player. Uh, 
not a not a real great arm, but someone who can work the short stuff and and understands the system and I don't know. That's just uh, it. Just all the indications are that they're going to go with Gilbert, and Gilbert may turn out to be just great as a backup quarterback. I just am a little nervous about all of that. So we're going through Tom's questions on bloggingtheboys.com. Questions for the Cowboys training camp that we will hopefully find answers to. Now, this one, I admit, I don't think we're going to find answers to it in training camp, but I want to run it by you anyway. Will we see more Tony Pollard? And I actually kind of want to change this question a little bit to how will we see more Tony Pollard? Because based on everything we're hearing and based on the accolades that they are lumping upon him in the conversations that they've had, including the little that we've seen in OTAs where he was utilized as a slot receiver and as a pass catcher out of the backfield, is it more likely – that the Cowboys incorporate him more by using him in two back sets or by using him as a potential slot man going forward. Because I don't necessarily see the window that everybody just assumes is going to be there of opportunity to run in Zeke's stead. I still see it being a 70-30 split at best. We are not going to talk about a 50-50 split for Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, as long as Zeke is, frankly, under this contract and still looking like he can do the job relatively well. Yeah, and that is – Tony Pollard was another one of those things that the kind of people refer to as the banana in the tailpipe. You know, we heard it last year. Oh, yeah, they're going to – McCarthy's going to come in and Kellen's going to do all this with Tony Pollard and all that, and it didn't happen. It was the same old thing which maybe that was because of the lack of the off-season work and having to compress everything in training camp. And then, of course, you know, the season just kind of blew up a month in. Uh, so, yeah, I want to see if it's real or are we, just, uh, are we just getting set up by a great illusion with this thing. I would like to see them uh, maybe not wear Zeke down as much, just – Keep him a little bit fresh. Remember, we've got a 17th game now that's got to be considered. Mm-hmm. So there's more wear and tear to be. There's more to set out. So maybe you want to dial back 5 or 10% on the cover, on the carries uh, or offensive plays, the snaps for, for Elliott. And Pollard is a great way to do that. Uh, and I love the, that. I, I love that idea of early in yeah. the season, like the first six games, making it a point to get Tony Pollard a, a considerable amount of touches. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in the 35 to 40% range of, of snaps with just a very few number of them actually being um, with the two backs. Because I don't see that used a whole lot just because – the problem with doing two backs is you've got to either pull your tight end or one of your wide receivers out. And if they did that, I would guess they would probably be, they would probably be more willing to go without a tight end and uh, run, I guess that's called 20 personnel, um, where you got two backs, no tight ends. And yet they seem to have high hopes that either uh, Dalton Schultz is going to hold on to the starting job because he just made tremendous strides last year or Blake Jarwin's going to come back. So 
you know, I, I don't, I just don't really see that you're going to see a lot of two backs. I think that's one of those things that you might see two or three plays a game where they throw something out there to kind of put a new wrinkle in and fool them. I just don't see that as the path forward. Uh, and like I said, what I mostly want to find out is, is this just smoke and mirrors we're hearing, you know, or is there really a, a desire to incorporate Pollard more and not just having there in case something happens to Zeke, he can step up and handle it and give you a few relief downs late in the game. Yeah. I think the desire is there, but again, yeah, that 20 personnel thing, it's nice in theory, but it just doesn't Mm -hmm. get utilized in today's game very often. And you certainly don't hardly at all anymore see 21 personnel. Right with yeah. two running backs and a tight end on the on the ground, you just don't see that as much in today's NFL. So and yet, it will be interesting and to yet, see if they stick I to know, that more Tony Pollard lip service. I agree with you that we won't see it, but when you think about the idea of going out with twenty-one personnel, making it look like a running play, and then bang, you put Pollard out, you know, out, you know, as a split-out slot receiver. And then move the tight end out wide. And all of a sudden, you've got the field spread out. You know, there's, positive, there's things there, but you also don't want to get too cute. Do you yeah. really want to start doing a bunch of weird stuff? Some coaches are better at it than others. Uh, I think Kellen Moore might be if he wanted to be. I'm just not going to hold my breath for that stuff. So, yeah, I, I would like to see, though, I would like to see him to go into a, a rotation simply where it's two series with Zeke and a series with Pollard. And I think there were times they tried to do that last year, and the problem was there were so many struggles because, you know, you didn't have any of your regular offensive linemen out there. that, And then, of course, you didn't have your starting quarterback. It just didn't work. So maybe with better health with the other positions, we can see some more of it. Well, it also didn't help that last season Ezekiel Elliott fumbled the ball more times than he had in any other season of his career. And a lot of those fumbles came early on, right? So when he's fumbling early and it's costing you points and then the next series is supposed to be Tony Pollard's, but he's only had two plays, it tends to take a little bit away from that. So, I get you. We'll be watching that Tony Pollard thing as well. So three very good questions so far that need to be addressed by the Cowboys in training camp. And our man Tom will be there to see it in person himself and give you guys a, a firsthand view of what's going on out there. I want to move on to the next questions you have, though, because this one is, I think, one that's going to get a lot of fans interested. Who are the nickel linebackers? Now, of I, course, I love – and I love that you explain this because not everybody – you know, everybody just kind of assumes that everybody out there knows nickel defense, dime defense, quartered coverages, all that stuff. But, of course, the nickel is now kind of the base of the offense. And for yeah. those that don't know, you can essentially think of the nickel uh, five DBs. That means there's only going to be two linebackers, and the rest of them are going to be your down linemen. So, with that being said, do you have a favorite as to who you think would be the nickel linebackers, assuming, of course, that we're also talking about plays where we're expecting those linebackers to serve as pass coverage defenders and yeah. not necessarily run stoppers. The, the, if there's a vibe right now, I would say the vibe, vibe seems to be 
that um, they're looking at Micah Parsons and Leighton Vanderish for the starters. Uh, the praise for Vanderish from under Quinn has been pretty fulsome. They seem to be signaling that he's okay. Back shape and of his life. Not, well, right. yeah, we're running all, around there like hey, a madman, looking faster hey, than I he's ever sh- been. I, I plan to show up at Oxford in the best shape of my life. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. Uh, all 250 pounds. Of anyway. Um, yeah, I, I just get, have not seen the same kind of things about Jalen Smith, which is sometimes that doesn't mean much, but sometimes coach speak is really getting, you know, some things. Um, I don't have as much of a feel for, uh, uh, Mike McCarthy's regime, but under Jason Garrett, sometimes when certain things were said that seemed just kind of blase, you had to stop and go like, oh, wait a minute. He just tipped us about something uh, because he would do it. Uh, Quinn has certainly been kind of saying uh, that uh, LVE looks good. Parsons got nothing but praise. Everybody was very pleased with how he was showing out. Now, you know, we haven't seen a real practice yet, so all things can change. But I say right now that's kind of what they're aiming at. Uh what they're going to do with Keanu Neal and Jalen Smith, uh, you know, that idea of having them in with the, uh, you know, they're talking about the three, four look, then maybe one of those becomes one of your uh, Leo or designated pass rusher types. Um, so they would be more first down specialists. I don't know. I think Jabril Cox is just not quite going to be there. Uh, may be there very soon. But for the start of the season, I don't think he's going to be quite in the mix. He's, you know, but he's going to be on the roster because that's five linebackers. That's pretty much the absolute minimum you can carry going in. Yeah. So their question is going to be, who do they pick up maybe as a special teams linebacker or will they? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. But, yeah. And that's going to be – I think we'll see – we may see that in the actual practices when we look at the, uh, the, the nickel – line up with the will be the first string nickel. I think that might let us know real soon who lines up there and who lines up on the second string. Finally, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to just, uh, you know, give us your thoughts here because this is a name you've mentioned many times on the podcast. For those that listen to Riled Up on the boys, you no doubt already know how much Tom is obsessed with this individual, but we all got to have a pet cat hanging, heading into training camp. And Tom – has himself a pet cat. So, Tom, why don't you pose that final question as to whether or yeah. not your favorite draftee by the Cowboys is going to not only be an impact pick, but an impact player in 2021. Yeah, that's Quentin Bohanna. Uh, they actually drafted a real live nose tackle, which, okay, right there, you run into the first little concern. That's a very specialized position. It's going to see maybe 30%, maybe even less of the snaps because you're basically looking at a first down specialist when they want to make sure the run doesn't, doesn't get going against them. Um, and the way I put it, is he a prospect or a project? Uh, late round picks, it's rounder. So he's not that protected by being a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the fact that nose tackle is a position that many teams don't even bother with um, good bet that they can get him through the practice squad if they so chose. And 
they've got Brent Urban, who might be much more effective as both a uh, run stopper, which is kind of especially, but he also may also give them a little bit more pressure up the middle early on. So, yeah, I I am going to be interested to see how far down Bohanna gets gets buried. I think he's going to start off second string, and I'll have to see because they, you know, I don't think we know exactly even how Quinn's really going to deploy his assets. Will the nose tackle be something he really wants to have out there, or does he really just want an effective three tech who can go in? and line up and stuff the run, uh, you know, the way the Cowboys have tried and failed at. It's just that I think he's got a couple of candidates this year that could actually stand in and do that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be watching him just to see how much he shows up. And I'm not going to be at all surprised if he's just not getting the work that I would like to see him getting. Mm-hmm. Well, there are your questions for Cowboys camp. And again, we'll have boots on the ground. Tom's going to be out there for about five days there at the end of July and into August. So we'll get you all those updates. And he's got a couple of cool article ideas as well that he's already working on. So make sure you check out the bloggingtheboys.com and, of course, the Blogging the Boys podcast network where we will keep you posted on everything that's going out there in training camp. And maybe, who knows, maybe we'll grab a couple guests on while Tom's out there as well and uh, really expand this thing and get some of the experts' opinions, the, the guys that are watching on a daily basis getting to see what the Cowboys are doing and, and trying to take something from that. The news of the week, though, Tom, at least in the NFL, came down late, late last night, and that was that the NFL is reportedly going to put the NFL Combine up for bid starting in the 2023 season. So next year... We will still have the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, right, where it's been for the last several decades, right? They've had every Combine with the NFL there in Indianapolis. But beyond that, it looks like teams around the country and cities around the country will be able to bid to have the draft take place in their city or stadium, I guess, if you will. Now, for us, uh, that certainly has Cowboys fans excited because – not only could they do it out at AT&T Stadium, if they so chose, right there at Arlington, but in actuality, Jerry Jones built the buildings there in Frisco, and they are specifically designed for an event like this, mm-hmm. right? The Ford Center with the capacity of just under 13,000, the hotels that are connected in that area, the shopping, the food, all of that was integrated by the Jones family to be a one-stop shop destination and a place where they could showcase their fantastic little arena, right? Now, they've done it with a couple of high school championship games, and they've done it with uh, a couple of football games here and there, but to be able to bring the combine to Frisco, and you've got to think that the Joneses would be front and center of teams willing to bid to make that happen – I think we could see I think we could see a combine here in North Texas as early as 2024. Maybe they don't get the first bid because everybody around the league is going to be chomping at the bit to get it. But after that, right, when the waters kind of stop being so rocky, 
the Joneses can slide in there and very comfortably, very easily make a pitch that would not only make the NFL comfortable, but would make plenty of sponsors comfortable as well. Yeah. The only thing I can see that would argue against it would be some kind of politics within the NFL. Sometimes Jerry Jones rubs people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. If you look at it just from the pure logistics of it, it's a better thing than Lucas Oil Stadium because it is more intimate. You're going to be able to see what's happening uh, from the from the stands, you know, where the scouts are sitting and everything. Um, it's a love. It would. It's probably one of the best times of the year to be in Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not going to be. It shouldn't be uh, yeah. unpleasant at all, unless they get a freak cold snap. Um, but you know, it's usually late enough into because uh, it's. Uh, well, they said that about our Super Bowl fe- year, Tom. And we yeah, I know yet. that. And that's, that's the only risk you get because North Texas weather is so freaky. Yeah. But, yeah, I, uh, I would Hopefully love – Hopefully we wouldn't be getting snow in March. That would be unique. But then yeah. again, we got it in February this year. So yeah. all bets are off on that front. You know, I, I see a lot of people, though, like, would you like it to be in other cities? Because I do think one of the benefits – of being in Indianapolis is the routine that every player, that every, you know, personnel person, that every GM, that every media person has established to the point that they know the hot spots to go to, to get information about your favorite team. Would that be as accessible in a setting there in Frisco where not only do you have the Ford Center, but within five to 10 minutes of it, you have plenty of uh, dining options. You know, the legacy uh, food court is, you know, 15, 20 minutes away from there as well. And you can get right into, you know, the 121 tollway, the, the uh, you know, Dallas North tollway split. And for those that don't live in the Dallas area, just understand that those are very happening areas where there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of different yeah. options. I- I think that's almost a moot point. The NFL wants this to become a trap. I mean, they had so much success with moving the draft around. Oh, I agree. I don't disagree that, like, it's definitely happening. No question about it. I'm just asking whether or not the experience for the fan through the media will be improved by this decision by the NFL. Because ultimately, we all know it's about money. They're going to make a lot of it by making this decision. But will it be a beneficial one from a fan standpoint? I well, the fa- the fans don't really it. have anything to do with the combine. This is really, this is really kind of a mini convention for the GMs and the staff and the coaches. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think if I were uh, one of those people, yeah, Dallas would definitely want to go with a more Southern location. Cause that was probably the only problem you had in Indianapolis was it could be kind of raw and cold. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, we'll see the Cowboys will be again at the front of the line requesting to uh, go ahead. Yeah. I just, I want to say one thing just before we sign out, uh, shout out to Carl Nassib for doing something that I think was a very brave thing. And I'm just leave it at that. Cause I don't want to start up a whole lot of uproar, but no, Amen. I'm glad you mentioned it. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of haters out there, obviously. There's a lot of people that just shrug their shoulders and go, well, I don't care. Big whoop. He's, 
maybe not the first NFL player to do it. He is the first active, uh, you know, NFL player to do it. Michael Sam obviously did it before he got into the NFL and then never was activated in the NFL. But for a player to be on a $30 million contract and to be able to say something like that, um, you know, the reaction on both sides is, is somewhat typical, but I will say that I'm on the side that is rooting for any individual who's speaking up about an incident, speaking up about an issue can improve the lives of people who are involved in those day-to-day issues that maybe uh, felt like they don't have a voice or don't have a representative to express the feelings that they feel on a daily basis. Um, You know, I think the same, I think what Carl Nassib did was extremely similar to what Dak Prescott did in regards to mental health, not a year and a half ago. Um, And and there were people that wanted to chastise Dak for speaking out about it. Does this, Mm -hmm. do we need to question his heart or his mental toughness because he's willing to have a conversation about it? Well, since then, I think the overall, thought process in not just football fan society, but in American society is that, you know what? Uh, We probably should take stock of our mental health and we probably should be conscientious of how that is affecting others around us in addition to ourselves. So very glad you brought that up, Tom. And what an excellent way to end the podcast here. Uh, Every Thursday, you can catch us the riled up podcast uh, right on the riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB. I'm Roy White at RW3 on Twitter. You can follow both of us. And by the way, if you would like a shout out, maybe reach out to us and we can uh, make that happen for you as well. So happy 30th again to our man Aaron Lozano. Thank you for listening to the podcast, my man. Again, talking the boys, we'll be uh, talking the star rather. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So no concerns on that front. As for us, we fixed our audio issues. So I better not hear any complaining about that uh, for those of you that were complaining, but we do appreciate you bringing it to our attention as well. And, and we got you covered in that regard. We're all family here and we take contru- constructive criticism extremely well, I think. Uh, for at least as far as taking criticism goes. So with that, here's another Thursday in the books. We will see you next week with another episode of Riled Up on the Cowboys for Tom Ryle and myself, Roy White. Thanks for listening. We'll see you.